Hello and welcome to Yeah, that can't be good A rewatch podcast of the sci-fi original series Eureka The longest running original series on the sci-fi channel to date Thanks for joining us If you'd like to leave a comment You can do that on our website EurekaRewatch.com On our Facebook page Facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch Or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch Let's get going Here's Doug with the Google Play synopsis. Season 1, Episode 8, Right as Reigns. When Callister Reigns, a young Eureka expatriate, returns to town, Nathan Stark has a difficult time turning his back on him. When Reigns creates a path of destruction that threatens Eureka and global dynamics, Stark is forced to make some heart-wrenching choices. Written by Joanna Stokes and creators Andrew Cosby and Jamie Paglia. Directed by Mike Roll. Original air date, September 5th, 2006. Thanks, Doug. Hi, this is Vicki, and I'm back this week with Doug Gramley for Season 1, Episode 8, Right as Rains. Hi, Doug. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing okay. This episode seems to revolve mostly, to, for me, around Carter and his relationships, or lack thereof, and... Of course, parenthood issues and the dreaded intranet virus. The relationships that seem to be prevalent in this episode is, of course, Carter and Zoe, Carter and Joe, obviously Carter and Allison, but also Carter and Nathan, and then we also have Nathan and Callister. So, where do you want to start? Yeah, I guess start with this kid coming into town. Of course, again, all these problems start to come come about, and, and no one really knows knows why or, or how, but you get Carter again is suspicious of the scientist that comes back into town and everyone is, is kind of taken back and no one's really explaining the whole story as to who this kid is or why he left or anything like that. Right. Um, you know, but again, Carter being Carter, he's very suspicious of him, you know, decides to dig in, uh, dig in a little deeper uh, to find out what uh, what's going on. Right. Right, and um, it seems at the beginning, well, we don't know at the beginning, but it seems like everywhere he goes, something happens to a system in Eureka. Uh, the traffic, right. he hits the traffic button, the traffic light goes out. He goes to Vincent's, and it's winter in Vincent's. Um, and also then we get a, Joe calls Carter about an electric fence going out, out of, on the out, outskirts of town, which we already know he walked that way, coming into yeah. town. So Carter puts two and two together relatively quickly. For me, the biggest part, other than Callister, was Carter's relationship with Zoe. In this episode, he seems to be more of the hard-ass cop from the pilot episode. He doesn't handle things well, and he always seems to say the wrong thing. It was kind of weird because it feels like the last handful of episodes, everything seemed okay. Right. 
you know, I mean, there's still a little little tension there that you would get from a teenage child and and their parent, but otherwise, I, I felt like their relationship had kind of progressed a little bit, and then all of a sudden, this episode it uh, regressed, and I'm not sure why. I don't know if it, if it, like you said, it's because Carter was just acting different, you know, like more of a, a hard ass, more of a cop uh, parent figure, right. And I do think over the last few episodes, he's evolved from that original cop. He doesn't always think before he speaks. He had every reason to be upset with Zoe about stealing credit cards, obviously. It's a crime. But to say, I'm done with you, he doesn't know how to relate to people yet. That is not cop-like. I think he has a hard time relating to people. He's always got to be that snarky cop-like character. And, you know, he doesn't see when he's supposed to be something different, when somebody needs something different. Like, Zoe needs his attention. This is quite obvious. You know, she's dyeing her hair red. Yeah. And even with Joe, when he asks her for Callister's file, and she says, we don't think he did it, Joe was giving her opinion. She would, And she even said she would never ask him to stop investigating something because it's somebody she knows. We know right. that Joe is all business. She wouldn't do that. She was giving her opinion. Yeah. And she was hurt that he, instead of taking her opinion, he came back with something like, well, we're not going to stop investigating because it's a guy that you are, are in a relationship with. You know, and she's insulted by that. He doesn't get that she, she wouldn't do that. I think he's showing signs of frustration with the whole town in general seems like that every time he tries to move forward with an investigation or or trying to solve a problem there's always some sort of resistance from somebody right and i think uh this kind of episode is the culmination of that and he just finally more or less had enough no one seems to be on his side i guess in his eyes right but i think some of that is his fault oh yeah absolutely i mean he's not not the most open-minded person no Yeah, he he, seems to be very kind of closed off and doing things by the book in his eyes. Right. And so he doesn't deal with Joe well. And he immediately realizes it, but he doesn't do anything to fix it. And then with Zoe, too, I think he immediately realizes that she was right, that he wouldn't have let her come if she asked. But he doesn't do anything to fix that at the time. I think this whole thing with Callister and Nathan kind of helps him see what he should be doing and the way he should be reacting, if that makes sense. Yeah, you think uh, by the end of the episode, he more or less is able to relate with Nathan, which really is the person in the the show that he, I would say, doesn't get along with the most. Right. Not only just because of his relationship with Allison and, and Nathan's past relationship with her, but just on a personality level as well. But I think by the end of this episode, he, he relates to him a little bit better. Yeah. And I think you're right where you say that uh, he kind of almost learns or kind of realizes how he should react to certain situations. And um, and at just because now we're jumping to the end already, but um, <clears throat> I was glad there was a scene when Carter and Nathan were in the car and they were heading to the bus station. And yeah. You know, Nathan was upset, obviously, but he also said something to Carter about, you know, you might, you probably think this is crazy that he has this father-son relationship with a robot. And at this point, 
regular Carter, the Carter that we've seen the rest of the episode, would have read him the riot act and said something obnoxious. Right. I was so glad he didn't. You know, he didn't. He learned from everything, I believe, that he did. Plus the fact that he's thinking about it, you know, relating to his own life. He's a father. Yeah. And whether this guy's a artificial intelligence or not, Nathan is attached to him. He thinks of him as a son. So I think Carter evolved from the beginning of the episode to the end where, you know, I don't care what he thought Nathan was feeling, I think he would have read him the riot act and not, and taken. Yeah, he would have, yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure if he said this or not earlier, but I, I almost feel like he did kind of, um, earlier in the episode, he did kind of get on him for being a little reckless, with this robot. Yes. And I think I know what scene you're talking about. And he did until he realized he listened, he was listening to Nathan talk until he realized that Nathan had grown attached to him. Yeah. And his whole demeanor changed. Right. But there's, I know we're skipping all over the place, but there's a, there's a scene very early in the episode. It's right after Douglas sees Callister and takes pictures of him to bring him to Nathan. And he's in Nathan's office and Nathan's having a meeting on the computer with four people. And he turns around and Douglas shows him the picture of Callister. And I swear it's amazing to me. If his face moved a muscle, it was almost not visible. But his whole expression changed without his face moving. It was amazing. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. It's amazing how he can do that. He had that. Yeah. It, it didn't change, but you saw all the emotion in his face. Right, yeah. It's, you can. It, the scene itself, and, and you can see that uh, the picture that he was being shown obviously meant something. Right. And you did get that feeling. Yeah. And I mean, and then obviously he goes back to all business until we get to the point where we find out that Callister is AI and that Nathan did all this to protect him from becoming a test subject or an experiment. Yeah. When Allison asks him why he didn't report it, you know, because it's a a great scientific advancement, to hear Nathan say that the world's not ready for it is just not something Nathan would say. Nathan is the one who puts on the pressure and, you know, is always looking for the next great scientific breakthrough because that's his nature. And for him to say that the world isn't ready for it, you know, that's really not... Not something that he would normally say about 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 any other uh, project or uh, discovery or something. So, yeah, he obviously uh, put his heart and soul into into the development of this AI. And, um, you know, I guess it's kind of scary how people can become so attached to something that's not technically, that's not real, that's not alive. Right. Being attached to your cell phone or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, you could look at it that way. Uh, it can just, yeah, walk on its own or whatever. But, I mean, it's, uh, what I, I found a little weird is Joe's relationship with Callister. Yeah. He had, like, a intimate thing. I guess they were seeing each other, you know, before he had left uh, Eureka. Right. You would think that someone with, with Joe's background and, you know, her ability to assess the situation, she would pick up on the fact that he wasn't a real person? Well, I don't know, because, you know, I don't, I don't know. Or is it just like it's another, you know, another relationship in this episode that 
almost because of how much you care about somebody, you, you kind of see past all their flaws or imperfections or something, and I guess maybe that's what the message is. Yeah, and that could be, yeah. You know, I don't know how, I don't know if there would be any way that she would pick up on anything. You know, I don't know the specifics about him, but I think we don't know too much about Joe. We, we haven't heard much about her background so far, but I do think that was speaking to Joe's relationships or lack of relationships. When she says later on, she says it figures they're either gay, married, or robots. You right, know, yeah. That, that seems to be her kind of luck with men. That's what we can gather yeah. from that statement. So I don't know if she would have picked up on it, may, possibly, but, like you said, when you're in a relationship, you don't always see everything you should be seeing. And then, again, with Carter, when he met Joe at the farm with the magnetized fence, he made a joke and said, what are you going to do, hit me? He doesn't know. Right. He has no people skills at times. None. Yeah. He just doesn't know when to stop. He knows when to stop after it comes out of his mouth. You could see his face. You could see he knows the wrong thing. Uh, he kind of said, yeah, he says himself that I probably shouldn't have said that. Right, and he doesn't correct it. He doesn't correct it immediately. This episode, he did correct a lot of things towards the end, but he just lets it go. This episode, we discovered that Henry is also public works. He fixes the traffic lights, and he's also a fireman. Comes with the truck. That's right, yes. And puts some fire. And, uh, puts yeah. the fire out little hotel over there. Beverly's, yeah, when Callister takes a room and then we don't see how he starts a fire. I think his hand just blows up. Yeah. Lights Beverly's on fire and then Nathan just leaves her standing in front of a burning house. Nathan was just so out of character. Last episode, which was Blink, that I did with Kim, I was saying, I, I do like, I always like the Nathan character. I mean, do I think he's a nice guy all the time? No. I like the character. But the yeah. last episode, I really, really, I did not like Nathan. He's He was on the brink of evil to me during the last episode. And then we go to this episode where <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah. You know, you just feel for him almost all the way through. Would you feel like Deacon should maybe be the sheriff? Henry? Yes. Uh, yeah, Henry Deacon, yeah. I feel like he'd be more suited to be the one to call. I mean, they end up calling him anyway. Right, right. Or he should at least be the deputy or something. Yeah. Yeah, they need both of them. They need Because even Henry doesn't always go for the simplest logical explanation. You know, he has to be told, you know, to pull the batteries, whatever. Right. So I think they need both of them together as a team. I like when they thought everything was a glitch when the whole system, the whole basically the whole town's computer system was, was having issues. They're talking about it being a glitch, and Henry says, no, it's not a glitch, it's a virus. And Carter says very seriously and very proud of himself how they should have avoided this whole situation was by switching to Max. Yeah, and that one line made me happy that I assigned you this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, someone who works on Max all day. <laughs> I appreciated that um, <laughs> that one that one liner from him. He was very proud of himself. That that was his yeah. <laughs> that was his solution to the, the problem. Yeah, and I had forgotten about that. And when I rewatched it, I didn't think you'd let it go by without mentioning it. Yeah. You know, after the fire at Beverly's, and Nathan takes Callister away, he goes back to the lab, and that's when 
Carter and Allison come and discover that Alistair's a, a robot. And I don't know if you noticed, but it was funny when Allison says he's a robot. Callister just looked at her like, how dare you call me that? <laughs> yeah, like he was offended by the by offended by the title or the description. Right. And then like most parents, me included at times, the three of them stand there and discuss Callister and you can't let him stay here. He, he, I can't send him away. In front of him. So While he's there, yeah. yeah he, he takes Nathan's car and leaves. Yeah. And picks up Zoe on the road who's running away. That whole kind of didn't make sense to me. She's She wants to stay there. She wants to stay there. She's upset. She thinks Carter's going to send her home. She talks to so Vincent. Right, and then she takes off anyway. Yeah. But he picks up Zoe. They go to the bus station. Zoe thinks he's sick, but we know he's... Right. Uh, yeah, system shutting down. Yeah. And this it was such a sad scene, and it was so well done. But by the time Nathan and Carter get there, it's too late. They can barely, they can't do anything. You really forget that scene where it's Nathan and Callister. You forget that it's a robot that uh, this is happening to. Right. Yeah, you, I mean, you definitely feel like the emotion of that scene. Right. And while Nathan asks for a minute alone because he knows it's too late to even move him. Carter and Zoe talk, and Carter confesses that she was right, that if she had called to say, could I come and live with you, he would have said no. Yeah. Which was good. Like I said, he had every right to be angry with her for stealing credit cards, but he did say, I'm done with you. And I know that was said in the heat of the moment, but, you know, he's talking to his daughter who's craving his attention. Yeah. So he explains finally later that, you know, she's his daughter, he loves her, She he's never done with her. In the meantime, Nathan and Callister are spending their last seconds together. And there was one part, and I rewound it and watched it, like, I can't tell you how many times. And I was going to look it up this morning, but it's early in, and I just forgot. When Callister wants to know what's going to happen to him, they talk about Alan Turn, I, I can't remember the name now. There was a quote about God could give souls to robots if he wanted to, something like that. And there was a line, okay. is that, a, God can, yeah, something like God can give souls to robots or something. Yeah. And Callister says to him, do you think that's true? Now, I swear, it sounds like he says, do you think that's true, Dad? But the closed captioning doesn't pick up Dad, yeah. although the closed captioning is a, little, a bit to be desired through the whole thing. You know, there's there's a scene at the beginning where Fargo says, Stark is killing me, and closed captioning says, the dark is killing me. So, uh. <laughs> and I kept rewinding it, because I could, and it's not clear, and I could swear that he said Dad. You, do you think that's true, yeah, Dad? I, uh, I mean, it could be, it could be something subtle that they, they just threw in there. Yes. Not wanting people to pick up on it right away. But it was kind of heart, it was kind of heartbreaking. I mean, even if he didn't say dad, but having that dad there or having me think that dad yeah. is there. Um, yeah. It was kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. You figured God could give a computer a soul.
as heartbreaking as it is, then I have to wonder, and I always do, okay, so now what do they do? It's in the real world. Now what do they do? They have this body. They're just going to pick it up through and carry it through the crowd? But, yeah, right, I guess. Yeah, they don't really explain how they get... They never do. They want so. to leave this, this piece of equipment, basically. I mean, it's a robot right. just lying there for anybody to find, so... They never, yeah, they, they, don't, uh, they don't finish that part of it. And, you know, Carter, not only did he feel for Nathan, but if you really think about it, Nathan committed a bunch of crimes himself. He committed arson. Uh, he falsified records, classified records. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, if Carter wanted to, I'm sure that this could have been a very serious issue for him. So you, you would almost think this is a turning point for them. We yeah, kind of. I mean, I think there's maybe there's a little more understanding between the two of them. Hopefully, yeah. Maybe uh, Nathan understands what Carter goes through with his daughter. Right. And, you know, I think maybe Carter sees a different side of Nathan. Right. That uh, not just all science and research, that he does have kind of like a heart to him. Yeah. And he does care deeply for, for things. Right. There's this earlier scene where they find out that Zoe is with him. Nathan's expression was of true concern, and he was truly sorry. He said he was sorry, and I think maybe in other episodes he would have said he was sorry, but he wouldn't have meant it as much as he did Yeah, in this he, episode. He didn't want Zoe to be put in any sort of danger, he, not that she was in intentional danger, but or that Kalsher would have done anything intentionally. But, yeah, you did see that there was a, oh, crap, I really didn't want this to happen. Right. And he was looking oh, at it like sure. a father instead of the scientist trying to hide his secrets. Right. He didn't say, oh, you know, everything will be fine and right. don't worry about it. He didn't give, like, a scientific explanation or right. solution. It was, uh, it was a, you know, a moment of serious concern. So do you have anything else from this episode? No, I think that's, that's it. I mean, I think it was, uh, like you said earlier, an episode on relationships and Carter's relationship with a lot of the characters as well as Nathan's relationship. You definitely saw a different side of Nathan Stark. Like you said, it was comforting to know that he wasn't just the ass <laughs> that he's been the last few episodes. That yeah. there, there was something deeper in there. Right. And even in this very last scene when Zoe comes to Carter's office with coffee, she sits down <laughs> and he tells her, you know, he pulled some strings and she has to repay every cent that she took from whoever mm. that person is, the credit card. Yeah. And, you know, she says, I know. But he puts his head down and goes back to work, and she sits there, and the expression on her face, it was so sad. And I guess I, when you watch it for a podcast, you notice all these things. But the expression on her face was so sad because that's all he had to say to her. You could see the way her expression changed. And I think it, it, to her, it felt like he hasn't changed at all. He has nothing else to say to me except, you know, I have to pay everyone yeah. back. Um, and then she got up to leave and he told her he liked her hair, which obviously he didn't. But he told her that anyway. And that's all he needed to do. He struggles so much with parenting and interpersonal relationships. And the, a little thing like telling her that he thought about it and he was wrong. He likes her hair that color. Of course, because he yeah. likes it, she's going to put it back to blonde, which is probably what he had in mind anyway. But, right. you know, that little thing just changed her whole mood from when she was so upset that he wasn't going to say anything else to her to a little thing like telling her he changed his mind, he likes her hair. He just wasn't being the hard-ass parent. Right, he wanted to float her a compliment, one of those 
it'll make her feel better. And then, like you said, in the hopes that uh, maybe if she thinks that I like it, she'll change it back to normal. But it's like baby steps. I think when she was sitting at his desk, she was hoping that he'd say that, you know, even though she did all this, he was glad she was there. And he can't. He's not there yet. He's not there. He's yeah. not there enough to open up about anything. But something as small as him thinking about, oh, I should say something else and saying he liked her hair was a big thing for her. And she gets it. She gets he's not there yet. And she took, you know, that little thing as a big deal. Right. I think that that was a good way to, to end it. To yeah. Kind of give that glimmer of hope. Yes. Yeah, Definitely. Even right after he finds out Zoe is on the wanted poster and confronts her, he goes back to his office and Allison is asking him where he was and is he all right? And he won't even talk about it. He just says, can we just work now? Because I think that's the way he just deals with everything. He doesn't want to talk about it. He just dives into work, which we've heard was the problem with his marriage and the problem with him and his daughter. I think from the beginning of the episode to the end, he's grown considerably. He's not there yet, but he's grown. Yeah, he gets, he gets there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely, but baby steps. <laughs> okay, so if you have nothing else, we'll say goodbye. Yeah, I think, that's, uh, I think that's it for this one. Okay, come back next week when we talk about season one, episode nine. I don't remember the name, but we'll see you then. Bye. All right. Okay, DC, tell us what's next. Come back next time for Season 1, Episode 9, Primal. 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 Goodbye. See you soon. Bye. Please remember to follow us on our Facebook page. Yeah, that can't be good. At Facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch. Or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch. Links to information discussed during our podcasts will be added to our website at EurekaRewatch.com. You can also listen to our podcast on Podbean. If you'd like to send us an email, please email us at EurekaRewatch at Gmail. We would love to hear from you. 